Hey, what's up, folks? We're discussing a topic that, quite frankly, can never get enough coverage on this show. That's right. This is the greatest hits episode of Cyber Security. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Cybersecurity Week here on the podcast. That's right. We are going to be going through some of the best lessons that we've ever received on cybersecurity here at Manufacturing Happy Hour. Let's be honest, this topic doesn't go away. And quite frankly, it is getting hotter and hotter by the day. We're recording this in July 2021. And the reality is there have been a number of cyber attacks across the manufacturing world recently, from pipelines to food and beverage manufacturers. This is a topic we all need to be paying attention to. So on today's show, we are going to revisit three of our past episodes on cybersecurity, pulling, you know, five to seven minute clips from all of them to revisit some of the best advice we've ever received on taking a practical approach to cybersecurity. So let's dive in. Our first guest is from Rockwell Automation. It's Umer Masood, the director of IT and OT security strategy for Rockwell. And he's going to kick things off by talking about how folks need to avoid shiny object syndrome and take a practical approach to cybersecurity, including focusing on the human side of the equation. Let's talk about where to get started. You know, where does an organization really start? We hear about purchasing software packages, and there are a lot of companies out there selling them. How do companies really decide between them and taking the first step? Yeah, I think the first piece is to make sure that you are grounded, your your thinking is grounded um, in a in a way that it follows some of those best practices that are out there, right? Like and and when I when I say that, I mean there's a lot of good work that's been done around um, standards and frameworks that really mm-hmm. help us start to understand what a holistic program would look like before we start making these buying decisions um, on what type of software to buy and then you know how to even configure that software and so a lot of those frameworks really if you look at something like NIST um, uh, cybersecurity framework CSF you know mm-hmm. it really focuses on making sure that before you go down this path and before you start this journey you understand what your tolerance to risk is because you know getting that right and 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 making sure that you understand how much tolerance to risk do i have is going to help you define what your appetite for risk is it's going to help you define how much risk can i accept and ultimately it'll help you define how do i um, allocate resources funding um, to go in and mitigate and, and reduce the risks that I'm exposed to. So I think that's the most important part about, you know, before before you go about saying, okay, I'm going to start purchasing these, these software, you're eventually going to come up against this issue of, well, you know, how much of this software do I need to pull, deploy? And then when I start to configure this thing and start to deploy it, how restrictive do I need to start making it? And if you don't have a good framework in place, you don't have a good standard in place that you've adopted, you're going to, you know, really be spinning your wheels on a lot of this stuff. So adopting a framework is kind of the really the first step. And, and, and then after that comes things like 
establishing your own, you know, uh, OT information security standard um, so that you've got a set of requirements that are, you know, kind of uh, broad enough that cover that entire cybersecurity spectrum, but really define uh, for your organization based off of your risk tolerance, what are the requirements that I need to be adhering to as I look at these controls? So that, that's kind of that, that process piece and making sure that you've got, you know, this framework in place that you can kind of, you know, always kind of come back to and hold people accountable to and build a program around. So when I hear the word framework, like making sure you have that framework and then establishing like OT standards and requirements, how do you prioritize in this space when there's so many different things you can address? Yeah, I think that's an important question. A lot of customers deal with that. And, and that's kind of where that shiny object syndrome comes into play. You know, I think the first piece is always making sure that you are focusing on the fundamentals, right? You're mm -hmm. focusing on, you know, what I think you're hearing in the industry called cyber hygiene. Some people have an aversion to that term. Some people want to call it cyber maintenance, but, you know, call it whatever you want. You've got to make sure you focus on the fundamentals, right? And I think that's kind of the first place we want to make sure we have standards against too, right? It's like, okay, if I'm going to have an asset management program within OT, within my manufacturing environment, you know, what are the requirements of that program? And making sure I'm lining those out against, you know, a an industry best practice or a, a, really a standard like 62443 or CSF. And so I think that's kind of what our focus really should be is to, before we want to start jumping into buying a tool, we, we prioritize it against, let's do the fundamentals first, right? And then we look at based off of our tolerance to risk, based off of where we are, how do we go about uh, road mapping this thing out? And I think another good technique that people use once they've moved past the fundamentals is then making sure that they're doing a risk assessment, right? They're, okay. they're, they're, they're actually evaluating their environment um, for what its capabilities currently are. And if you've done that, that process work, if you've done the standard framework work beforehand, uh, before you go and do this assessment, you'll have an understanding of, okay, you know, here's my current capabilities and here's where I think I need to be. And these are the biggest gaps I have because I think if I, if I threat model this out, you know, these are the, the um, uh, specific controls I need to be addressing and putting in place, because if I don't, these will cause the biggest impact or big, biggest consequence to my environment. I love that. So going from the fundamentals, you use the term cyber hygiene. That is not the first time I've heard this term. I'd love to start talking about the people next, because I imagine the people is the next topic we need to focus on before we get into more of the technology and tools. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times we, we tend to do a good job of uh, and, and, you know, buying a tool and, and getting it deployed. And I think we do a all right, decent job of establishing a framework, setting out the standards, rolling them out. But I think a lot of times where we fall and, and, and falter, if you will, is, is on the people side. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily think about the resources that are required to run the program, right? To, to you know, if you talk about cyber hygiene, and you talk about patching, you talk about backup and recovery, right? You talk about, you know, kind of these, these fundamental things. Well, those programs require people, mm -hmm. right? They require people to um, manage them. They require people to execute them to a, like in a patch management program, right? Execute, 
and apply the patch, test the patch before you apply it. You know, all those things require people. If as an organization, you actually focus on staffing up on people first, you gain this next level of traction, pace, capability on executing a holistic cybersecurity program. And in, in, and ultimately, you could even argue that it would replace the need to some extent of technology even, Ooh. right? Because you had people that would take ownership, that would understand the environment. They would you know, actually conduct the work and they could even bring some of their own tools and help you define what that roadmap look like. It's kind of an interesting notion that we tend to forget and we tend to kind of put on the back burners. Let's really focus on what it takes to execute a program. And ultimately that comes down to people. So Umer made some great points in that segment. A couple of my major takeaways were that you need to first understand your risk tolerance so that way you can in turn know the requirements that you need to be specifically adhering to and what type of framework you're going to be following. He also talked about risk assessments briefly there. And speaking of which, that's what we're going to dive into next with Camille Carmali. Camille is also from Rockwell, good buddy of mine. We're constantly talking cybersecurity. He's the global commercial lead for services over there. And in his episode, he talked about defense in depth in the NIST framework. But with him, we're going to specifically dive into defining what a threat vector is. And we'll also talk about good, better, and best approaches to implementing a cybersecurity program. So let's get into the second part of this Greatest Hits episode. So we look at a threat vector to be anybody associated with, for example, a nation state. It could be something like an insider threat, so an individual working within the organization, whether they're in the enterprise world or they could be in the operational technology world that has access to things like USB devices, right, Chris, or access to ports inside switches. Terrorism is another inside, uh, sorry, is another threat vector that could be internal or external. Hacktivists, we see the number of Hacking-related malware incidents have gone up exponentially since 2010, right? Nonpetya and WannaCry being some of these that people understand from a, hey, what is ransomware and why is it impacting me so quickly? And then you've got cyber criminals, right? People that just want to do damage for personal gain, property gain, financial gain. Um, and so when we coach a customer through either deploying defense in depth or even partnering with us to put a NIST framework in place to, to mitigate, we're looking at what is the insider potential, right? What are the external advisories? Is this going to be direct from the outside world, from the internet, all the way into a plant network? Could it be directly from somebody inside the facility who has access to a port or a USB who's looking to take down an operation in the overall supply chain? Um, so there's a million different ways you can look at it. And I think that that's why defense in depth is super helpful because it could apply a standard like IEC 62443 in terms of what are my risks and vulnerabilities and how do I look at those to the NIST framework, which is all about a risk-based approach across a cybersecurity attack continuum to mm -hmm. what are my threat vectors. Is there like a good, better, best philosophy to this implementation process? There is, there is. And, and what we take a look at would be, it's kind of the basic modernization principles that you apply to networks and infrastructure as well, right? So you think about in your enterprise or your facility, it's people process technology, and you got to balance those priorities against cost and risk, right? So the first thing that I always recommend is 
Cybersecurity is a team sport, right? It's an operational group of stakeholders from engineering to IT to our OT stakeholders, um, finance, health and safety, right? Because all of these people, these functions can be impacted by uh, threat factors. And so, you know, we, we go through a good, better, best model evaluation with a customer and make recommendations based on implementation, number of vulnerabilities. How do you improve the risk posture with limited capital expenditure and shortened timelines all the way to, hey, we've got a customer that that has quantified risk, um, has allocated budget. It's the number one thing on the priority. And so ready to have that balance between heavy CapEx and a multi-year approach. I think before I get into the good, better, best, I would say the, the deployment of cybersecurity behavior to get from the current state to the future state, the implementation of how you do that from technology and people is as equal and if so more important for organizational culture change and behavior to be adaptive, right? We refer to it as good, better, best, or NIST, I think, refers to it as like risk-informed, repeatable, and adaptive. But, you know, a good strategy would be get asset inventory analysis done. So like figure out step one, what do you have where? The second would be develop an anti-malware strategy. So take a look at servers, physical or virtual, just determine for yourself, are you deploying any sort of antivirus management, patching infrastructure services, and a very simplified backup and recovery plan for your software applications? You'd be surprised how many people I talk to that um, are challenged with even figuring out, okay, A, how do I do it? B, what's important? Uh, The next step is your overall OT readiness, right? Do some network assessments, get some segmentation design activity done between what does the layer 3.5 demilitarized zone need to look like in terms of logical and physical separation between networks and do some basic risk assessments um, to to take a look at vulnerabilities across the NIST framework. If you kind of take those five steps, they're very low from a capital expenditure standpoint. You can execute most of these activities in a matter of weeks, if not a couple of months across an enterprise or even a single plant. Um, so that's a that's a good strategy, okay? A better strategy would be if you're looking for more kind of foundational approach, you got a little bit more time, resources, capital, you want to start to take a look. My recommendation would be at a comprehensive install base review, right? So not just asset or device inventory, but you want to start taking a look at automation hardware platforms, comprehensive software platforms like modular software, MES. And then the third component is the network connectivity, right? The backbone infrastructure that everything is operating off of. So to do a comprehensive install based evaluation and know exactly what you have and where the life cycle of that system or that particular asset is, um, is important. And then we really, really, the next step is to coach a customer into deploying scalable threat detection services. Identifying your assets from risk assessments to figuring out what you have on your plant or on your site floors. That seems to be a common theme that we're seeing in cybersecurity so far that unfortunately a lot of people seem to miss. So in addition to doing that, Camille was giving us a couple ways to get started. And if you want to dive into more detail on that, make sure to go back to listen to his episode where he gets more into what detection services look like, the NIST framework, defense in depth. You can get there by going to Manufacturing Happy Hour dot com slash cybersecurity. That's where you can access Umer's episode as well. But up next, we actually are going to start talking about ransomware. And this comes from 
different company, different individual, different perspective. This is Ofer Shaked, the CTO of Skadefense. They are an excellent cybersecurity company, and in his episode, we really dove into ransomware. It's one of our more recent cybersecurity episodes, but quite frankly, that's one of the most common type of attacks we're seeing, or I should say one of the most common cyber threats in the manufacturing space right now. We're going to discuss why manufacturing is a target and what to do about it. In this episode, he took us through a story of a ransomware attack that they were part of resolving. But here are some of the highlights from that conversation. So why is the manufacturing industry one of the most frequent industries that's targeted from ransomware campaigns? I think that the manufacturing industry has a couple of uh, uh, unique problems. First of all, manufacturers have only started opened themselves to the world in the last maybe 10 years, some companies in the last five years, and maybe even most of the market in the last three years went through significant digital transformation. So this, this process is still ongoing. Now, when we're talking about manufacturing, we're talking about technologies that are not very recent. So uh, a lot of uh, systems are legacy systems. A lot of people are using older operating systems the network architectures are not such a good fit for cybersecurity. They, they were not designed with security in mind. Uh, there's a lot of IoT equipment that it's almost impossible to, to secure. It's very, very hard to secure this IoT equipment. It's not only Windows devices and servers that are easier to, to secure. And maybe it's also a matter of uh, a talent uh, shortage and uh, gaps in knowledge and information. There's not, there's not enough experience in this industry on how to secure these networks. Now, when you have a big network with uh, uh, little uh, uh, security solutions, uh, with a lot of default passwords, with unpatched machines, the network is flat. There's no firewalls at the right places. The architecture is not entirely understood by the team. Then, you know, a a lot of things can happen. And uh, ransomware is one of these things that can make a lot of money in manufacturing. No one, no one wants their critical infrastructure or their manufacturing facility to stop. It's not about sending your employees home. It's about you can lose on, on, on contracts. Uh, you need to call in a lot of service people to, uh, to, uh, to fix the, the, the problems that it created. Maybe you don't have proper backups of, of everything. It's hard to restart the process. Some processes uh, cannot be stopped in the middle just like that. You have to do a long maintenance period if you stop them without uh, an early warning. Some processes take time to warm up. So the manufacturing is generating a lot of revenue for the cyber criminals from 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 ransomware because it's first of all it's easier to attack than other things. Yeah. And and second, the the the, the damage you're creating is higher than if you're just encrypted some mail server or so Windows devices that have backups. We are attacking completely different things that are much harder to to restore from backup. Many of them don't have backups. And I think these are some of the reasons. How can people be secure? How can people, what can leaders at these companies do to prevent this from happening? Because in order to unlock the power of digital transformation or a connected enterprise, things like that, it's important to be connected and have these type of systems, but how can people do the things to prevent themselves from getting in the situation that this company got into? Uh, I think, uh, f- first of all, something like this can happen to to anyone. Um, I, I, I think of it as uh, reducing the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's, it's almost impossible to prevent any type of cyber attack, but 
I think that uh, with the right uh, with the right investments, you can significantly reduce your risk and mm-hmm. uh, and open yourself to to, to business. Um, there there are a couple of things that we recommend uh, companies to do. I have to say it's not it's not an easy journey. It's mm-hmm. not something. There's no one solution that you can deploy or do one thing to to solve the problem. I think that the first step would be to to understand uh, what is the problem specifically uh, in in your in your plants. So a lot of companies are doing something like security assessments or using mm-hmm. tools to understand what's going on. It's not re- if you have a hundred facilities, it's not really required to go to each and every one of them. You can do you you can do you know. Just part of them, maybe maybe select the ones that are more most important. The the problems will reappear in each one of the facilities, so it's not required to do all of them. You you also need to have a strategy of how to handle it. There are standard ways. There are uh, uh, guidelines published by NIST, by uh, 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 the IEC organization sixty two four four three. Um, mm-hmm. And there, there are many guidelines depending on the industry. You can look there; it's it's pretty it's pretty wide. Uh, I I would say also get external talent to help you get consultants that are part of this industry. We because we see something that you can't see. We see a lot of organization. We see a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's good to have someone on your side. And. Uh, I I think that uh, you know this this uh, industry. I'm talking about the supply side. I'm talking about services and products. We are ready. So it's just a matter of, you know, we, we, we are ready to start. We have the experience. All of the tools are ready. We know exactly which cyber attacks. We know how to protect. We know the architectures. It was not possible to do five years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, now the people are there. The experience is there. I think if you haven't started yet, it's a good time to, to, to start. And if you already started, maybe, it's, maybe you can optimize your program. If you're looking to invest more resources in it, Maybe, maybe you can rethink it and, and see how you can improve it. If you want to hear more from Ofer Shockhead, make sure to head back to Manufacturing Happy Hour episode 36. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 36 to hear more details from our conversation. And with that, that's what we've got for this week's episode. As always, the best spot to dive to for cybersecurity resources from Manufacturing Happy Hour is over at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash cybersecurity. I hope this episode was helpful for you. Certainly, we'll be diving into new cybersecurity topics in the near future or just continuing to pound home some of the most important points. But I hope you got some good takeaways from this conversation. If you are not responsible for cybersecurity within your organization, consider sending this to your CISO or someone that has security responsibility. I'm sure they would love to hear some of these tidbits. With that, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you back here on Manufacturing Happy Hour real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.